0: Swimming was good because then it you it stops the swelling a little bit as well and you just also feel weightless and not like a you know giant manatee like all <laughs> the time
1: Like you, the podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. I'm Gab, I'm an audio producer and journalist, and we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we're on today and pay our respects to their elders, past and present. So, today, my wing woman, my right hand lady, the brains behind this operation, is on study leave. Uh, She is powering through her last big assignment for the semester. So, instead, I thought I'd invite a very special guest onto the pod just for you, someone I've mentioned countless times. Uh, But she's here today in the flesh. It is my beautiful sister-in-law, Elle. Welcome to the pod. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I mean, I've spoken about you so many times. is it weird for you, like, that you'll be, like, you know, walking along listening to your sister-in-law on a podcast and she just constantly name-checks you and you had no idea? (laughs)
0: It's extremely amusing, but I'm glad I finally muscled my way into the actual thing. (laughs) (laughs) We
1: should also mention uh, those beautiful little grumbly sounds that you're hearing in the background. (laughs) is uh, my nephew and your adorable son, Rowan, who's currently breastfeeding.
0: Uh, yeah, I think he might be done. So he's just going to try and stay quiet for a bit, I think. Okay. I hope.
1: Well, we'll see how, we'll see how this goes. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, you and I talk about this a lot in terms of exercise and how shit it is and how much we don't like doing it. When you were growing up, you know, in either primary school, high school, what was your relationship to exercise you know, and sport in particular, like,
0: yeah, what was it like for you growing up? Um, Primary school and then high school were two totally different things. So primary school, I used to love um, all the athletics carnivals and running. Um, Your brother finds it very amusing that I loved long jump because I'm quite short. (laughs) Long but jump champion. I absolutely oh. loved it. Regionals for long jump. Loved it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm um, cross country, and I I genuinely did love doing that. And then when I got to high school, and was you know traveling, um, I don't know, 45 minutes to get to school. Uh, I didn't have as much time. And I remember mum saying, "Music is your sport. That's <laughs> that's what we're doing on the weekend. It's going to be music, because you just you know there is only so much time that you have." And so, yeah, basically once, when I got to high school, I didn't really do any sport aside from what I had to um, in PE and then I had an ironic cricket team in year <laughs> 11 and 12. What is an ironic cricket team? Um, my friends, my group of friends, we just for some reason decided to start a cricket team which was coached by a maths teacher. Um, <laughs> as, and basically, as all high, girls' high school <laughs> cricket teams are. Yeah, and basically if you could bowl and get past halfway down the pitch, you were a bowler. You're in the team. And it didn't even matter if, like, you actually – like, there were very few of us who actually bowled and it would bounce once and, as a normal delivery would work, it would be hit by the batsman. We had a bowler who could get it past halfway and then it would just sort of roll Roll. very slowly (laughs) towards the batsman and they would always – they'd always look like, what is going on here? But she got wickets somehow. So, anyway, it was an ironic – Cricket team.
1: Because they were so stunned at her um, unorthodox
0: yeah. delivery <laughs> that bamboozles. it rolled towards the wickets. It was genius. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I also had uh, an ironic cricket team, I think, um, in, in grade 11 and 12. That's really interesting. I didn't know that about you. <laughs> so then moving into like, I mean, hey, focusing on the music has paid off. You are a professional cellist. So, um, you know, if you had to go one or the other, it's worked. The, the 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 worked. It's a tame sport.
0: It's a team sport. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So... Then, you know, moving into your adult life um, before becoming a mum, what was exercise like for you? Is it something that um, you did regularly? Were you able to, you know, what was your attitude towards it or, you know, did you have a similar experience to say Sarah and I and lots of other women where exercise was purely to lose weight and therefore it always just felt really gross?
0: Yeah, pretty much exactly that. But when you talk about being an exercise sloth, like you have done actual like sporting things throughout high school, and then like there's just sneaky triathlons and things. <laughs> like that's I am the true exercise sloth that you are talking about when you're talking in, on the podcast. You're the source, because, you are the source exercise. Yeah, sloth. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Because I like I would occasionally join gyms. Like I've you know joined, of like women's gym and stuff, and even. Gone reasonably regularly, you know, before having having children and stuff, but never for the enjoyment of it. No. That's for sure. I, I kind of wish I could just have an ironic cricket team now, because that <laughs> I would be into that actually. And could, I think, could we
1: start the women like you ironic cricket? Yeah, team?
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I know there was actually there was a Muso's cricket team for a while, but that like indoor cricket I remember. So like groups of people sometimes just go. You know what? I'm going to start a random volleyball team or whatever. Yep. I think I would actually be most likely to exercise if I did something like that, not stuff on my own. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I like. I don't know. I like. I've. I before having, um, my daughter before having Inez like four years ago. I was. I used to like doing bar. I did a fair bit of that. Oh, yeah, Pil- yeah. Yep. Pilates and yep. stuff.
1: Sarah and I have spoken about bar on the yeah, pod before.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, group classes I kind of preferred. Um but yeah, definitely nothing particularly regular. And yeah, usually because I'd be like, ooh, I need to lose some weight or Yeah. Yeah. Or I think I made a vain attempt to like do it before getting married and having to appear in front of everyone in a dress and whatever. Like, yeah. Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. So typical. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um so then How has that changed since having kids? I think I kind of think the answer is fairly obvious here, but like I'd (laughs) like to hear from like your experience of what it's like: a finding the time, um, and little Rui, a finding the time, but also um, how it feels and uh, the changes—changes that have happened to you physically that that you kind of weren't weren't even prepared for before having kids.
0: Um, yeah, well, even less time to, to do anything for sure. And also because I, I'm i sort of, I'm not a nine to five kind of worker. So it's it, it's even, if with an unpredictable work life, it's even harder to go, okay, this morning is going to be my go for a walk morning. And this morning is going to be my go to this class morning. Hello. Hello. Um, yeah so that that and then when you throw kids into that that makes it even harder so like there are a lot of I found when I had Nez I was sort of looking for all of these like mums and bubs kind of classes because that was what I needed to do because I needed I would have to do something that I could bring her to and then after a while I kind of went like I actually just kind of want to be by myself when I'm doing that I don't want to have to worry about you like I am right now with him. Like I don't, I don't want to have to be monitoring what you're up to while I'm, you know, trying to exercise.
1: Because that's a thing. I mean, for a lot of women, um, exercise is your only alone time. Yeah.
0: So, I, yeah, I, this time around I, I went, well, I don't want to go to Kanga training or whatever, which is where you, like, strap your baby to you and, like, yeah. And like jump around and stuff and oh, and, talk, God, no. and, or, and like pick the baby up and like use the baby as a weight as and a all weight, that kind right, of thing. Right, like right, this okay. is obviously great if you have no other option. But um I kind of thought, no, I'd rather just have be, <laughs> be on my own so that I can listen to a podcast or whatever while I'm walking around and doing stuff. Um or yeah, just get out of the house by myself. I think the thing about um being pregnant and then After after pregnancy is that you have a solid at least two months of the end of the pregnancy where you really you can't do much even just like walking. Well, for me, last time especially, I was so swollen everywhere that I couldn't even the idea of just going for a walk around the block wouldn't just wouldn't have happened because my I would have swollen up so much that I would have had to have ended up with my feet you know my feet up for the whole rest of the day basically so you mean in the, in the third trimester like before you've given birth? yeah you're at that
1: point where you just yeah physical activity yeah. even though they always recommend it yeah <laughs> get, get out to some walking and helps, blah, blah blah it's just not an option
0: yeah the only thing that i think is was for, and i'm sure there are plenty of people who just breeze through and feel great all the time but for me at the very end of that pregnancy or even not even the very end the last three months like really all i could do was um swim and swimming was good because then it you, it stops the swelling a little bit as well, and you just also feel weightless and not like a, a you know giant manatee like all the time. <laughs> um, you did not look like a giant <laughs> manatee. You looked beautiful. Uh, so yeah, that's that's like the only thing that I felt like I could do. And so then you so you at the end of this period of just feeling like yeah you're probably unfit technically because you haven't been able to exercise. And then you have this major thing that's either going to be, you know, a f- serious abdominal operation, yep. surgery, or, you know, the other way to do it, yep. which is also, you know, there's recovery time for that too. And I only know the surgical way. So that's, you know, and when, that's a big strain on your body as it is. Plus you've got extra time that you've got to wait. Um, before to make, you can do yeah, anything. Yeah, before yeah, you're yep. fit to. to cleared, for, ex- cleared for exercise. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah from all sorts of reasons as well and then there's also the issue for anyone of anyone who's been pregnant of abdominal separation most people will have that yes, issue I've seen this which again I don't think is something I really knew about before being pregnant like ne- I mean
1: never heard about it until you mentioned it until Sarah's mentioned it a few times
0: as well yeah, yeah like it's obviously I know exactly what it's about now but you don't yeah I and you know because I'm carrying a cello all the time as well and I was I was performing up right up until probably a month before I had both children or probably even later than that carrying something heavy on my back i realized that usually i must use my abs to hold to hold it up on my back um and with no abs anymore, because they're like somewhere where your hips are, or I don't know where they go, but they, they move <laughs> somewhere <fucked> yeah <laughs> just as just you you I real, I was getting horrible back pain because because my lower back was going, "Oh, well, I'll just have to carry this on my own then." And so that made me realize just how much you are doing with your abs just to sit up straight normally, um, to carry anything, literally any weight at all. Um and so yeah, then there's the issue of how whichever way you've birthed of having abdominal separation that you've got to be careful of so you can't just jump straight back into doing sit ups or whatever. And, you know, people can do themselves damage doing that and you mm. can have this doming thing where the oh, I don't know. I've seen, where, I've seen ugh. videos of the doming. Yeah, yeah. Scary.
1: Scary. Yeah. It's basically the skin in between the abs that are separated. Yeah,
0: it looks like a conehead from the like nineties movie Coneheads does, is trying to yes. escape your stomach. Yep, yeah. It's, yep. Anyway, luckily luckily I I did not push the push-ups, <laughs> like, sit-ups. As an extra have not I done, one. I wasn't, I wasn't have expecting not done one in maybe two years just to be just to be extra safe. <laughs> Can I just say though, I love that you said
1: like literally the, the two, three months before um Rowan was born. Uh, this is your second child, that you, you know, basically felt like you couldn't do anything. But you were still carrying your freaking cello yeah. all of the time and performing right up until, you know, very close to giving birth. So it's like I, I, I just love how women a lot of the time don't give themselves enough credit for just the daily the physical activity that yeah. they're doing.
0: But that was like really hard work because if you if you have to walk up from the Opera House car park and then into the Opera House and into the Opera Theatre pit there are a surprising number of stairs involved. Oh, God. <laughs> and I did at one point try to take the lift. In a mask lift. as well. Yeah, so be like exactly. <laughs> and I would be double masked as well because this was like, you know, Peak. January and yep. I was being really careful not to get COVID and then be stuck in hospital on my own. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it, that, that definitely was like the most physical activity that I was doing but it was probably, yeah, pretty, it was a strain for sure. So knowing that that was a strain, I'm not then going to go, I'm just going to do a... Nice 30 minute walk for my exercise because I just like I'd be wise. You were doing enough. That. Yeah, you were yeah. doing enough. Um, okay.
1: And, and so then, you know, post giving birth, other than the usual things like, especially after a C section, needing to make sure that you're cleared for cleared to do physical activity, which is, you know, what, like six weeks after or something like that, weeks, if, if everything's yeah. gone okay. Uh, what else, it, you know, has popped up uh, post childbirth that you just weren't expecting that kind of makes exercise um, not, uncom- not, not comfortable? What well, that like, it really ever is, but yeah. you know, <laughs> interesting things that you weren't expecting.
0: Well, even honestly, and maybe I'm just, yeah, the epitome of exercise sloth, but even like it was a good solid four weeks before I felt like well enough. And pain-free enough from surgery and from, you know, whatever other things like, you know, neck pain from breastfeeding at the beginning and stuff like that to even just go on a normal walk. And, yeah. again, it was going back to work and doing a week of performing. And, yeah, carrying... Both times, both, both babies, <laughs> you were literally back performing like a month later or something. Yeah. It was and so, insane. And, yeah, just, just the physical activity of that made me go, well, do I think I can actually physically get my cello on my back and out of the car and up in up onto the stage and perform and everything. I mean luckily I'm just sitting down to play the cello. So that's not <laughs> that's not that bad. But um but actually even just sitting up straight to do that, you know, I had to think about that. But um yeah. It was about 4 weeks before I felt like, "Oh, okay, I feel I feel pretty much back to normal." And then after that, like I think I think I went on a reasonable walk Maybe like half hour, a uh, half an hour to the library and half an hour back. Um, and I was listening to your podcast episode with the great Adrian Burke <laughs> on it, talking about getting back. Oh, the two parter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. it was it was an hour basically, possibly of a stupidly long walk. But I did break it up. Possibly, I think that,
1: yeah that is a stupidly. I long didn't. Walk. He would think, he would have said to you gradual I know, Al, gradual start slow. I didn't <laughs> get
0: to that until the I was halfway there. Um, yeah, so. Went on this walk and then realized just just stupid things that you don't even think about that you're because of your feet swelling up, and I think this actually can just permanently change. I've heard this from people. Um, your shoes don't body fit. Like like what? I've got one pair of running shoes because I am not what? into it. Yeah. So I have one pair and they just they did not fit, They, you know, I could get my feet into them just, shoehorn myself into these shoes and then. But um, they were like obscenely uncomfortable. Super tight, yeah. And then I I had like bruising on the top of my foot for like the next week. Because, because you've because gone I, for such a long walk yeah. as well in
1: these shoes that no longer fit because your feet have changed shape or yeah. is it like pressure or, or inflammation?
0: Like what's swelling? Well, that was way past, that must have been five or six weeks post- partum or it maybe even more. Wow. And so yeah, I was definitely very swollen before um before and then probably worse afterwards. So there would have been that, but I don't I don't know. I think like yeah, things change shape. Like your rib cage because it's had to expand, yeah, um to house this giant baby. <laughs> like your your body, like your your Skeletal structure like can Has change, changed. you know. Like yeah. people talk about how you know, obviously their hips might change, and so they go, they change sizes and things. But also, like your bloody rib cage and your feet, like yeah. But your it, feet, like you just you like that's nowhere near yeah. where all the action was happening. It's crazy, and then um, and then even just you know considerations like yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a runner, so that it wouldn't it wouldn't be for me anyway. But I could imagine if you were a runner. And that's what you wanted to get back into with your exercise. And you were possibly breastfeeding like that. Oh, You're God. not going to yeah. want to just be bouncing around. around. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just awful. And then, They're like, painful enough at the best
1: of times.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. And then you've got, yeah, just like all sorts of thing issues to think about. Like, you know, getting yourself into a um, – a nursing sports bra, that's a whole nother world. Like you've done whole episodes on sports bras, but then you go nursing, nursing sports, sports bras bra. where you can just whip one out if you're like, you know, halfway through your triathlon or whatever. Um, and please, then please don't
1: do a triathlon. No,
0: no intention of ever doing that. And then, yeah, like breast pads for like potential leakage. Situ- like it's just, it all makes it very, Ugh, do I have to do this? Yep. So this time I actually did get, um, there are some organisations that are, I think, Oh, I'll have to remember the names. I think there's one called maybe Mumsafe, um, that uh, like sort of like a directory of PTs that have specific training in pelvic floor stuff postpartum. Yeah, and so I had a, a, a PT who is trained in that come, and she comes to she will come to you. So that's right. something that's quite. I think if you plan if you know what you're going to be up for and you can have extremely low expectations and also know what's available, then you could go, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to budget for having this PT for four weeks or whatever, just to get me back into things safely, which was what I plan to do. And then, yeah, and then there's also another, another um, pelvic floor, you know, aware physio um and women's physio quite close to me that I has little classes that you can do as well so yeah yeah, I've done that kind of thing but then yeah you do get to a point and I'm at that point now at like three and a half months where I just think Ugh, I really do need to do some actual proper like cardio of some kind but because you're because yeah. you're just feeling like
1: you know because sometimes when you when you do go through a phase of not doing very much physical activity the body does kind of it almost sort of prompts you to be like dude you you're sort of feeling really shit right now. Like, could could we maybe like you know do something that raises the heart rate a little bit? It's almost yeah. like this. You, you do sometimes get this kind of internal sort of push to do something. Is that is it sort of that? Are you just not feeling good, or is it more that you're going no? I for my health and and because I know I need to, I should. I should yeah, start?
0: for health. Um, because I think I think it's probably a dangerous time if you've just had a kid. If you, you can fall into a bit of a habit of just not doing stuff and of getting less and less fit. Um, and, and survival mode as yeah. well, you know, like just getting through it,
1: yeah. getting getting through the, the really tough years.
0: And, yeah, so – and, yeah, not having time for yourself and all that kind of thing. And I, like I hesitate to say for weight loss but, you know, I would like to <laughs> lose like some of the – excessive weight that i would have put on by like being pregnant during a lockdown which yes. is like... <laughs> we all had to do what we had to yeah. do to get through it now like okay? i definitely do deserve... a we locked inside for four months <laughs> yeah i definitely deserve to self-medicate with food because that's the only option available to me at this point yeah so um yeah i would like to be able to do to do more actual you know ha- yeah harder stuff but I think I can now. I don't. I don't really know. We'll we'll watch this space. We'll yeah, see what if, happens. We'll come back in
1: a, in a few months' time and see how you're going with it. So so then, okay, if you're ready to sort of, um, you know, get yourself back into and as AJ would say to you, gradual. Don't go for the hour-long walk. Start with you know much shorter and then slowly build it up. Uh, what what could actually fit into that busy mum life? Like, how could you actually do it and maintain it? Do you think?
0: Well, I've been doing sort of yeah a couple of. These sort of PT style things a, a week, and I'm talking like really low grade, like yeah. we're talking um, almost impact. Pilatesy kind of stuff. Yeah, that's and really concentrating on breathing and pelvic floor and stuff like that. Um, very very slow, gradual stuff, um, and then yeah, going for walks. So I would yeah, I sort of tend to structure my walks around the mornings that Inez is in preschool and um, and also the podcasts that come out. So there's Monday and Tuesday. It's <laughs> a true Crime listing. Monday and then Women <laughs> Like You Tuesday. Yeah, but so I, I tend, yeah, walking. Walking The thing that I do of my own volition is just going on as long a walk as I can because I think yeah. that's nice to do as well. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, the other side of things that is not physical is also the weighing up of your time and um, being away from your children and doing your own thing, which... Yeah, is this the mum
1: guilt? Is this is this kind of yeah, Yeah. like that you feel bad
0: for taking that time? And it's it's not even just for like because oh this is for me, so therefore that should come second. It's not even just that. It's if you like probably most most women who would be, many women who'd be listening to this podcast, if you at any point after having children, not straight away but, you know, a year later or two years later, are back at work, then I always had this thing with Inez as well. I'd go, well, I used to go and teach, you know, In the inner west and on the way home I I had a membership of a of a women only gym there. And so I'd go there on the way home and I'd think, oh well I could do that again. Maybe I should join that gym again. And then on the way home from that teaching, I'll go to that gym. And then I thought, but then I'm just I won't see her then. I won't I'll be working all day. And then the only time that I have to see her before she goes to sleep, I'll then be at the gym. Yeah. And so you weigh that up and you go, Well, I don't I don't want to do that. So it's not even just about like I'm putting Like exercise is me time and that's selfish. So I'm not going to do that. It's actually, well, if I'm there and I also work, then I'm not going to see my kid. (laughs) So, yeah. And that's where I think I don't, I don't know, I'm not sure, but I don't, I don't know that men think that quite as much. Yeah. I don't know. Um,
1: Well, there was interestingly, there was that article. You actually sent it to me a few weeks ago now. It was in the Guardian about uh, some research that Australian researchers have done about um, basically. Men and women, obviously talking about heterosexual heterosexual relationships, but men being in a better position to prioritize their health over women. And there's this this research that they did showed that basically um, men's longer hours and obviously uh, much more secure, you know, jobs and and a whole range of other things that we you know we we know. Um, Allow them basically to prioritise exercise and kind of buy themselves that time away from home to go to the gym or go to a class or play football or you know play a team sport whatever um, that women don't get and it's it well, obviously we're not you know not going to say this about my darling brother who is your <laughs> husband I, but but it is interesting like that that a lot of women are. Um, Yeah, not in in the same position to kind of carve out that time for themselves as men.
0: Yeah, I think it's an internal thing because yeah, as you know, your brother is very supportive and wants me to go and do whatever I want to do. If that's like pottery or um, going for a long walk or whatever it is, he's supportive of that. But yeah, in in the there's that Hilda survey of the. you know domestic lives of australians that comes out every year and it's about division of domestic labor and all that kind of stuff and there's this it's been written about a fair bit but the st- statistic of as women's work hours go up yeah their hours of dedicated to domestic duties go also go up and so just everything goes up. Yeah, yeah. but obviously, yeah. But at the same time, this recent men.
1: research comes out also shows that their physical activity time goes down.
0: Yeah, it's the exact same same thing, the same yeah. the same um, correlation. So also, uh, yeah, but the, for men, it's not true; it's yeah. the opposite. Yeah, and also the really interesting thing I think is that um, with that same study, they found that women, the more the, where the parity changed in terms of if they were earning less than their partner then they would do a certain amount of domestic work and then if they became the higher earning partner, their domestic work would not go down, it would go up. It would go up. Yeah. 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 So it's like this idea of like I'm successful in this area of my life or I'm working hard in this area of my life and therefore I must be neglecting this other area of my life. Yes. So does that feel,
1: does that resonate with you? Does that feel true for you like in terms of, and again, I'm not. I'm not sort of. We're not dissing my brother here, but like, <laughs> but but in terms of just that feeling for you of, um, if I've taken out time for myself, does that make you need to kind of feel like you need to make up that time with the kids or yeah. make up that time or with family life? It's
0: that, or it will be. I'll think. Um, look, if I've got this spare hour, I absolutely need to sort out this junk drawer or sort out. Or the clothes that the kids are too big for now, or yep. that kind of thing. Tick or I've got to yeah. get the house in order, as opposed like that's that's got to be the priority, as opposed to you should probably go for a quick walk because yeah, health like yep. Yep. for no other reason than just health. Or and also like the, the other thing is that I talk about with your darling brother is that I think um, like he and maybe this I I hear this of other men as well. I think often they. They need it for their possibly for their mood and their mental health, potentially more than I do. So he will be he will be okay with me saying this. He will get grumpy if he hasn't done a certain amount of exercise in the week. Whereas yep. it would not <laughs> occur exercise to me. slots and like yeah. whatever it would baby. not occur to me for like <laughs> the <years>. ideal week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. done nothing. Um, <laughs> and I don't get like I get a bit. I definitely do get a bit of that you know adrenaline and a bit of that whatever the endorphins from having done some exercise, but. Like I don't need it. Yes. And he needs it for his for his, you know, sanity and yep. for feeling happy. Yeah. And so but then also it comes to like if he then goes at nine o'clock o- at night when they're both asleep and he goes, Right, I'm gonna go to the gym, I he he hates that I'll then c- kind of look at him like in with a slight amount of resentment that I'm not then doing that. But yep. also I don't really want to. <laughs> <laughs> like, he actually but, wants to. Yes. Yeah, I don't yeah. really want to, but it makes me feel guilty because I go, oh, well, he's doing exercise. I should be doing exercise. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, and he yeah, he has more of a desire to do it and, you know, he plays soccer and stuff and yeah. does that kind of thing and enjoys it, whereas, that's uh, yeah, it's fair. Yeah. whatever. <laughs> so it's, it's easier for me to put it to one side. I, w- I will say, just wanted to come back to your point before about, you know, t-
1: thinking about ways you could squeeze exercise into the day and if you've worked all day and then you want to kind of squeeze a gym visit in before heading home and by that time the kids are asleep and you haven't you know been able to spend any time with them you know I think also at this phase in life you are going to remember the times when you made it home to spend time together more than you will remember the times that you went to the gym, you know what I mean. Like mm. twenty years, thirty years from now, you know, you're not going to be like, fuck, yeah, I used to, I used to really rock that treadmill. You know, like you'd be <laughs> like, no, I, I I distinctly remember reading this book to my child at this time. Yeah. You know, so but I think that's it's also it's like, it sucks because we have to do it and we have to fit physical activity in, and obviously it is going to make us healthier. But at the same time, you need those moments. You know, that's what definitely. Life is.
0: But then he will also say, Dom will also say. I um if I say that kind of thing he'll be uh, and that you know I feel like I get more guilt of being spending time away from them than than I think he does but he he'd say yeah but I'm doing it so that I'm here in 30 years time and I don't think that way nearly as much and I should but I I mean I I I think
1: that's that's true of lots of women you know to be honest that like it's it's really only you know in in recent times that that we're kind of seeing a push for women to actually prioritise their health. I mean, Sarah will agree. Women's health has not been on the top of the agenda in the medical, yeah, <laughs> in the medical world. So you know, um, I think that's that's totally reasonable and fair. But um, yeah, it's a balancing act. Mm. Speaking yeah. of uh, women's health and, and health issues, uh, we had a we had a episode last week about vaginal health. Uh, we're going to go into the realms of poo chat now. Yes. <laughs> You have been dying to work out a way to to come on the pod as our poo correspondent (laughs) to shoehorn colonoscopies into the chat. Tell me about your experience with colonoscopies. And I know that sounds like a weird question to ask, but bear with us. (laughs) By the way, Rowan is uh, currently being walked uh, by his uncle in the pram. He hasn't just fallen asleep or disappeared. He's he's safely (laughs) ensconced in his pram going for a walk. Um, Yeah, poo chat. Talk to me. Colonoscopies. <laughs> Crossing um, live
0: now to our poo correspondent. Uh, this is just a passion of mine now. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so basically, I I don't have um, I have a bit of a family history of bowel cancer, but I'm not not even first degree. Like I don't have siblings or um, my parents haven't haven't had it or anything. It's just like a grandmother, her brother, and my mum's brothers and stuff. But um, a very dear friend of mine who I know listens to the podcast, <laughs> um, her her father died of bowel cancer when we were in uni. And for some reason, the two of us, I don't, we, we bonded over bowels and <laughs> over many other things as well. But I think we, for some reason, I can't remember when it happened, but we had this weird pact that when we turned 30 we were going to have like, joint colonoscopies. Not in the same room at the same time, but just the same. <laughs> I <was> just saying, <laughs> no, no. So, so you're
1: at uni, so you were, like, late teens, early 20s, and and then you decide that, yeah, before you turn, or by the time you turn 30, you're going to go get Yeah, we went
0: 30th birthday colonoscopies. I can't remember how. 30th birthday? Like- yeah, yeah, no, not the <laughs> funnest way. Yeah, but, no, we definitely, we did that, and, I think just around that time, I may have forgotten about it, but just around that time, I knew of like a friend's cousin and other women who were in their 30s, you know, had young children. And I'm um, more than one, like I could count a handful of, of women who had terminal bowel cancer diagnoses at, in that age yeah. bracket, like the age I am now or younger. Yeah. And uh, for one particular woman, it was. Um, it was post her second child and, there, were you know, just little um, – she had symptoms that were explained away by, oh, that's because you're pregnant or, oh, that's because you've just had a baby and, oh, you're tired because of that or you've got back yeah. pain because of that or you've got changes to bowel habits or whatever because of that. So they weren't really looking for anything else because her symptoms could be explained You could explain them away and people think it's something uh, that happens later in life. Yeah, of course and they
1: do. I mean, I I just assumed, yeah, it's a, an
0: elderly condition. Yeah. And it was terminal for God. these people. And that, that really, um, Put the fear of God in me a bit, and so I we did we did end up having this, you know, happy birthday. Yeah, happy you. <laughs> happy birthday on your actual birthday or just no, close to. I was going to no, say no, but around around that time because yeah, um, well, you and made we the even pack. we even went to my gastroenterologist because um, I'd uh, yeah I'd had gallstones out as well. I really just sound like I'm about eighty five, but that was <laughs> that was when I was twenty. So Lord, anyway, so I had a gastroenterologist and I and she was sort of you know. I loved her and I said look I've got this weird pact with my friend would you also <laughs> Could do you her? indulge us please <laughs> and she was like I don't really this is you guys don't really need to do this but okay I, I'm I'm all for it you go do it that's being very very proactive about your health and yeah. if you really want to do this this uh, yeah. thing that you got to do which is not that fun then I applaud you so she did it and um, we were last on the on her schedule that day and she had a whole lot of old people before. That had no problems, and then the two of us came out with polyps that needed to be removed. And in my case, I then I've since got a new gastroenterologist because my old one pushed me out of the nest and said, "You're going to be doing this for decades, and I'm about to retire, so you need someone your age." Yeah, <laughs> which is depressing. But anyway, <laughs> um, and so I asked when I first met this new doctor, I said, "So if I hadn't had this pact with my friend, and if I hadn't done this, what would happen? Would I be yeah. here now?" And she said, "Well, oh, you might you might still be here, but you'd be terminally." ill like you would you would die of bowel cancer if you hadn't had that done when you did holy fuck and i just find that so disturbing because i've since heard of of other people and funnily always women but lots of other people in that age bracket and there was also oh there was an actor an avengers actor who died of bowel cancer quite young yes you yeah. know and so there it's starting to there are younger people that, that that are getting it and i i looked it up at five in the morning when I was feeding Rowan this morning, and um, it's on the rise in young in young people. So if you were born and I wasn't, but if you were born in the nineties, yeah. you have between double and quadruple the chance of getting different kinds of bowel cancer than why? if you were born in the fifties. I haven't no, I haven't gone that far in my yeah. deep dive to figure out <laughs> what for, that's what for it tomorrow is. Morning I at haven't am. solved that problem yet. But yeah, it's it's and there's like something like an one hundred and eighty two percent increase in bowel cancer in. Adolescents and twenty and people in their twenties. Oh my goodness! So, and I don't think people are aware of this, which is why it's my big co-correspondent. Yeah, yeah, who yeah who now corresponded? is the time to shine. Yeah. Um, and in, in America, they've lowered the age of you know recommended screening to start from forty-five. But in Australia, you're not recommended to have colonoscopies, for example, and that can be only ever five to seven years if you're lucky. I'm having to go every year at the moment, but most people hopefully will only have to go every five to seven years. Yep. And, um, yeah, in Australia it's only the recommended age is 50 and if that's the case, then s- well, as has happened, so many younger people will die before they before get they to even that even get to that. Wow. And that's not even people that necessarily have a family history of it or anything or, or symptoms. And if you have symptoms, I think it's, it can then be... Too late. So, what are some of those? Oh god, that's awful. I was going to say, what are some of those symptoms then? Oh yeah, I've never had any of these symptoms because I just had my random birthday colonoscopy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and knew that I had lucky. these these like fast growing polyps that have to be taken out. Yeah, um, which is all very painless and fine. But I think yeah, the symptoms if you were to have them are like. Blood in your stool. Yep. And well, I'm we're going f- just deep into poo chat here, mate. <laughs> Blood in the stool, yep, yep. Changes in habits like if, I don't know, I don't know, I think constipation when you wouldn't normally be, stuff yep. like that, um, which again I think can be a pregnancy thing so that's why of these course. things can be explained away. Yes. Um, I think I read like lower back pain, lethargy, yep. you know, there's pretty Thinks standard things.
1: Most people just come across living life you and
0: know? like I even looked up the other day because around my colonoscopy time of year I just get super grateful that I managed to escape that fate just by pure chance and by having having my friend who I had the pact with but like um but yeah also slightly morbid just to figure out what exactly how much of a risk it is because anecdotally I kept hearing of these younger people so of the top five causes of death yeah, for people in their, I think it was thirties to forties, um, there are only two medical ones, and they're four and five. Yeah, four is um, heart, some kind of you know heart disease, heart disease, uh, heart I mean. disease or yeah. a heart attack or whatever. Five is bowel cancer. God, what, what the, the hell? Thirty to forty. Mm. That's disturbing, and I feel like people don't know about this. And if and if the if the guideline is fifty, and that's even that, and it's only fifty if you have. A family history of a it, family and other history things. or
1: symptoms, yeah. Oh yeah. damn. So you're recommending uh as pre-correspondent.
0: <laughs> especially <laughs> if like you like haven't been... especially you you came up with the title. Well, especially I said colonoscopy correspondent. Okay. Well, Next time I'll have to like just live live <laughs> <laughs> live report. Coming to you live from my colonoscopy I'm on appointment. Day six of day hour six of fasting and oh, I've finished oh. all my eucalyptus drops. things are not looking good. It'd be <laughs> From the trenches. Hang in there, Elle. We'll <laughs> yeah. cross
1: back to you soon. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're kind of recommending that, especially if you have a family history, but even if you don't, if there's any symptoms. Oh, yeah. But even if you don't, or you just, it's just something that, you know. If you, you feel like about, a big old clean yeah.
0: out <laughs>
1: <laughs> and well, a day off. <laughs> I also think, you know, again, it's good to be proactive about your health. And I think that was the, the thing that your gastroenterologist. Gastroenterologist. I, just, we'll I need, Nez on I need to Nezzy say. to go and say gastroenterologist. Like, spig moment. Like, I still can't do it. Um, yeah, like, you know, it's it's kind of okay to be proactive. If you're in a position to, we have a world class health system. Um, obviously, if you're able to pay for it outright, you'd probably be able to get it done a lot faster. But mm. if it's something that you need to wait for, it will take longer. But um, yeah, I, there is something to be said for not being alarmed but just being aware of your being aware, yeah. and
0: also just just to tie it back into the exercise um it is one of those cancers that is is meant to be you know very much linked to um sedentary lifestyles yeah which is not I don't think my, I don't think I have polyps because I'm an exercise sloth. I don't think that's it. I think it is a family history thing or whatever it is that a lot of younger people are. It's popping up more because the, the I, from what I read yesterday, like in older populations, like your risk is going down, whereas in younger populations, it's, it's going, going up. up. So wow. I don't know what that is. That yeah. can be next next colonoscopy correspondent okay. <laughs> like fact. But yeah, um, so that's yeah. If, for so many different conditions later in life or now. Yeah, I guess you know, having an active lifestyle is something you've got to think about. Like I things the only things that I've really modified because I think this obviously is some kind of genetic thing. But the only things for me that I've modified is I've gone I'm not eating smoked meats anymore. I don't really eat bacon and stuff anymore. I'm already vegetarian because your brother is. So, <laughs> I really like you know, I don't I don't have any of these like risk factors for it. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's just I don't know. It's my my personal um, personal mission mission at the moment. <laughs> Just so that people know that, like, it's not. Yeah, it stresses me out because and I think there are cancers like breast cancer that everyone's very aware of. Yes. Thankfully, yeah, and that you know you, we know that that can happen to you at this at this age. Um, but yeah, there are others that are disturbingly as potentially deadly, and yep. you know, it's I don't want anyone else to have to deal with that. Luckily, oh, I haven't. But you yep. know, there are people who have, and I don't. I would hate that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. I mean,
1: honestly, it's it's um, been something that we've spoken about between you and I a lot. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that we were able to shoehorn it into. <laughs> did I just into- spend
0: about twenty minutes talking about that though? <laughs> Is that like a whole other episode? <laughs> I'll have to chop it in two, like I did to Adrian's episode.
1: <laughs> I won't. I won't. Uh, no, it was great. Thank you. I think. I mean, I also just think it's important. And honestly, it's not something I even have thought about. You are the reason why I've ever known about any of this is
0: your weird birthday colonoscopy. (laughs) Oh, that was quite a year. (laughs) 2014. Well,
1: look, um, that's an episode, I think. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about? We should go find where your baby is. (laughs) Ah, yep. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> Thank you for being so honest. Uh I think we were very kind to my brother your yeah. husband. I don't think we threw him under a bus at all. He's
0: excellent. He is excellent. We just talked about me being a sloth and I mean <laughs> colonoscopy so high came out worse. Hey <laughs> no, you he was did was so introduce stressed. us about it.
1: <laughs> you did introduce us to the concept of um ironic having an ironic cricket team. Yeah, so I think I think we should possibly think about that. Summer, yeah. of, summer of 2022, 2023. Does the, Sarah like cricket? Yeah, loves it. The wily the really? cricket team. Yeah, absolutely. She is a fanatic like you, you weirdos. <laughs> okay, I'm seeing something here.
0: I used to be wicket keeper, you know, in high school. I'll laminate <laughs> myself for that position now. I'm sitting here with my, just my mouth open, just at the possibilities in front of <laughs> yes. us now. Oh, finally. So, so we're, I'm just thinking about the PIMS that we could have like, <laughs> afterwards
1: <laughs> or at tea time. All right, I love you. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you.
0: Love Wee! you too. So exciting. Big name in